Hello and welcome back, listeners, to another Shop Talk show. This is Jason, player of Tam West Crown, and your host for our continuing miniseries. Joining us today is GM Jeff Ball, uh, also will henceforth be called Jeff, from the um, uh, Rollmongers Network. And Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Rollmongers and your part in that? Okay. Uh, thank you, Jason, very much for, for having me on the show. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, I created the uh, Rollmongers Podcast Network about four years ago just to play Mummy's Mask for Pathfinder first edition. Mm. And we went through a year of auditions and 50 people and didn't work out because, you know, those friends that say they're interested suddenly weren't ran away. Uh, but I got so interested in going from one podcast to like, maybe I'll do video and maybe I'll do this, or maybe we'll do more than one show. And, and I enjoyed meeting people by auditioning them, which gave me the idea for this show attack of opportunity which we're going to double down as you're interviewing me but as soon as we're done i want to interview you as a fellow content creator um oh, any content creator that is that you're gonna have on the show is gonna tell us the same thing but from a different angle long road no money in it i do it for love you know patrons are nice but you probably break even by the time you get some you know this type of thing or you have uh the, the other generation that just kind of goes wow we're so popular we had no we had no idea we're sitting around a mic and our, our show blew up right <laughs> um but you got to be committed you got to love doing this even like the downside and i'm not gonna lie i'm like seven grand in debt after five years of being exhausted and i'm having a time in my life I can't wait for the next microphone purchase or the next monitor that I buy, even if I get it from a secondhand store. Um, but we are everywhere. The Rollmongers Podcast Network, which I invented a little company called Dicewise Entertainment, so it can be in debt instead of me. Uh, we're everywhere. iTunes, you name it, that type of thing. We have a Star Wars Dawn of Defiance campaign, old Saga Edition podcast that's turned to video and live feed. We have uh, several Pathfinder first editions that we've recently shelved because of casting problems we've got into pathfinder second edition the age of ashes campaign and we even have a brand new show coming up two of them one based on the pierce team splat book in pathfinder and the new absolution absolution vaults mm. abomination vaults lots lots in the works and i have this talk show i'm well awesome you know i, I do a lot of this and now that i'm on like this side of the microphone i'm nervous as hell that's weird. <laughs> I'm used to like calming the other guy going, it's okay. You know, we'll just act naturally. It's like, you know what? Without the questions in front of me and doing a lot of nodding, it's like, I'm freaking out here. Anyway, I hope that gave you a well, small picture of what I do. <laughs> don't be too nervous. This isn't going to be an interview so much as it's just a conversation about some meta level topics. Uh, and if you're coming at this from the, from the other side, the other feed, uh, again, I'm Jason from the Shield Bash podcast. We are a Pathfinder first edition podcast running Serpent Skull. And then we do, uh, you always know, started doing this little thing on the off weeks. And then, uh, you know, we, we've got ourselves up on YouTube and things like that. And we're also a major part of the Farmageddon gaming convention, which by the time this comes out should be done for the year and starting to pick up again next year. So, uh, we're always kind of getting ready for that since it's it is itself its own charity. Uh, we try very hard to keep that one out of debt, but it's um, it can be a near run thing most years. 
So since you just introduced yourself to like my show, does that mean I get to ask you questions verbatim one for one? <laughs> uh, hey, man, like I said, this is a conversation. We're okay. not supposed to, like, it could just be a topic. Today's topic, by the way, is um, experience versus milestone leveling. Of course. Uh, this will probably, you know, as per usual with a lot of these conversations, we'll you know, meander to different things. Uh, and as per usual, uh, you know, it is my guest here that has picked the topic. And so, Jeff, what are your initial thoughts? Like, what is the initial thing that your most important thing in your heart about this topic that said, like, yes, this is what I want to talk about? Um, It's something that I stand by, and I'm usually on the other side of the fence. I use, I'm not going to reveal just yet. I use one of them in all of my podcasts for several reasons. And I, I get flack from guests from audience you know why don't you do this why can't we see you know a certain amount of progression why do you go with the one not the other uh because i'm old because the first time i ever saw milestone progression was in the original dragon lance series for first edition D&D where Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss sat down with a bunch of people they played and then they started writing the dragon lance crin series novels uh chronicles and that was my Lord of the Rings. I actually read that at 16 before I actually got on to Lord of the Rings. And there was this little side thing in there about milestoning. Like, if you don't want to track XP, when they get to some certain story elements, they succeed in, you know, this boss fight, or they get to this city and the political changes where the elves go, no, no, we need you to find these orbs. And it's a big reveal. Your new quest is given. Old quest is the journey is put down. That's a milestone in the journey of the RPG. And that is a good time to like take a break, train up, level. And that just seemed to make more sense to me than a lot of the hack and slash that I came out of in the 80s where it was like clear every room, eat everything. Mm. Now, when you play video games these days, I am a sucker for like um, a lot of the sneaky ones. I can kick it in the door. Now, wait, let's go back. Now I come through the vents. Wait, now let's go back. Let's, cause you got to find everything you want to find, especially playing thief and stuff. So I can't bash like the XP. See what I did there with bash? No. Yeah. I appreciate I, I can't bash the, um, the XP method. It is tried and true. And you can give little rewards and perks with it. Ah, 10 XP because you made me laugh. 100 XP and it's instant gratification for the players. Uh, but for running a campaign, that threat, of them wanting to kill everything and loot the bodies, right? You offer milestones, and personally, I feel it takes away that thread of like, oh, we have to kill them. No, you could talk to them. You could take them prisoner. You have to, you know, is it dead yet? And they catch up, bottle the guy. That just for me as a DM, because I've been DMing more than I've been playing, it, it just got very irksome. So when the milestone yeah. came out, uh, being a big movie buff where you don't see the XP unless you go to a training montage because they get to that certain point, teacher meets master, right? It just made more sense to me. Yeah. No, I understand. It's It It almost it puts... Having an experience-based leveling puts pressure on the players because it's like, okay, well, if we don't do this, we might miss the amount of experience we need to level up. Whereas if they just know, like, hey, when we, when we kill the big bad evil guy in the top of the castle, we're going to level up they don't have to feel like they need to kill everything in between, you know? So like, I, I agree. I, I use both, but I'm a bigger fan of milestone for not just that, but for other reasons. Also, I'm going to backtrack a bit. Mm -hmm. My, my mother had 
the original three Dragonlance books in one big volume. And those three books and the original three Shannara books were my introduction to fantasy. So they are they they are what I think of when I think of fantasy games is, is those things. And a couple years ago, I was at a convention and somebody was selling the third edition Dragonlance supplement. And I, I was just like, I don't care how much it is. I'm buying this. I want it. I, I didn't even know they still made the Dragonlance supplements at that point. I was so happy to find it. Cool. I, I, I first of all, I own that book. I have that and the Legends one. That's all three. Okay. Uh, do you know that Hickman and Weiss went back and actually wrote the two books that actually gap between one and two and th- and two and three? So actually, it's five for for the readers out there that pick it up now. Six? Is it six? Did they do six? Oh, geez, I thought they did five. Because they because they did the stuff with um uh up in the Ice Kingdom. Yep. With the uh, the knights, then they did the stuff inside the dwarven mines, and then they did what Rastlin was doing when he disappeared. You know, I actually haven't read the in between books. Did they cover the floating tomb when they go after the hammer? Yes. Cool. Yes, I will admit I don't like them as much. But they're worth reading once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I got so much on my plate right now, but I, I would love to get back to it. It's like the retirement days. It's like, when I, when I put all this down, I'm going to go back and read them all through, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, dude, it's so cool to meet another Dragonlance fan. It's just out of the top of my head, I was thinking of the old milestone. It's like, that is the oldest reference I can think of. Um, now, when you said uh, third edition supplement, do you mean the adventure series compressed? Like they did for second edition and then third? The Dragonlance campaign setting. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. The you know like the world of. Yes. Sorry. Yes. This was the the thing of like having all the little optional rules for playing. You know all the different races and stuff that built into it. Now you're talking about how their cultures are different here than they are elsewhere. And I mean, most people just trying to get them to understand the the cultural tensions between the two major type of elves without even including like the the wild elves that alone would be such a pain to try to describe to people who haven't read the series and then just having the book and being like hey just read this and figure it out yourself well they they had less to work with like i i literally poked my head in the ancestry guide lost omens for second edition and the cut the art through it that's like a rat folk tiefling mix they had yes. a uh, a sylph gnome, which actually looked pretty cool, right? And and on and on and on. That's cool. On one hand, on the other hand, you have your Technicolor Murder Hobo Circus, where everyone's putting so much in, like how flavored their character is. Dragonlance had less to work with, so they put more into, you know, the politics of an elf from a nation. Like I'd read the the King series where the you know prophecy two sons they will both roll crowns and the sylvanity split and the quality split and they go off yay kind of thing and the play you know the old world elf versus the new frontier elf and then you have your wild elf which is like your north american indian and they and they're basically just talking about bob the elf bob the elf and bob the elf but like you said the continent moves the way they live their life rurally versus city moved and the traditions of like growing a forest into trees and buildings versus let's build them you know, all, yeah. all that kind of thing is covered. Um, and, you know, for some audiences, it's like boring. Yeah. You know, show me the the cool Hellraiser demon guy. It's not for everybody. But 
I really appreciate, like I said, you said the world build, the factions, yeah. the, and you know, the tensions, that kind of thing, because it was about a world war and a world war means let's get who everybody on our side, the bad guys had Yori United, the good guys spent several books trying to get everyone to work together because they had fallen so far by the wayside, the knights and everything. So and I'm sorry, you, you get me going on with those books forever, man. Like I, I love that stuff. Oh yeah. No, Hey, <laughs> it also has all the rules for playing draconians oh cool yeah so it's like and it's got the ones like oh when you die you turn to stone or when you die you turn to acid or you know and it's got all the kender stuff and oh man i like this is i have had yeah. a couple of kender at my table you know they're, they're the ultimate <laughs> halfling because first of all they're fearless and they're all kleptomaniacs which is a player's excuse to like just go nuts sometimes they're a dm nightmare but the way they're portraying yeah. the books is they were a lot of fun yeah yeah, like yeah, it could very easily be taken too far because a, a kender never steals. They just they just have stuff. They borrow. Yeah, I don't know how they got it. They just <laughs> there it is, and they legitimately don't know. It's not even like an act. They just don't know. I love how they're all, um, all related to one guy, Uncle Trap Springer. They all have an Uncle Trap Springer story in their heritage. I, I part of me thinks that it's really the kender god, and you know he just <laughs> it's, it's just bad, like yeah. a clever way. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, veering off that, um, it was important. Milestone yeah. first one yeah. we saw was Dragonlance. Yes, we've had our tangent and fun. Yes, but the, the the thing that you'll notice here in common is the importance of the story. We love the story themes of this, and one of the biggest things about Milestone leveling is that it keeps a good focus on story instead of you know, like you said, having to murder hobo to get your experience. Um, but there are some pros to experience-based leveling, though. Like you said, it, it's an easy way for a GM to give a reward, to be able to say, like, oh, you did a good job. Here's some some extra experience. Personally, I can also see that as a con, you know, where it's somebody's, like, you know, doing a really good job role-playing, so they get some experience, but then others are like, you know, oh, I'm going to try and role-play, but they didn't get the experience. So now they're like, well, maybe... So that didn't really work, so I probably won't try it again. And then, like, you can also end up with some disparate levels and things like that. The the elephant in the room here, uh, we're talking about as DMs, the preference. Do you want to use this system or this system? But it goes back to beyond rule zero, like the rule of fun, is coming out of the gatekeeping era and the this is my world, I'm DM, I'm God, appreciate me, I did all work. You guys show up for one night, you have your fun, I entertained you, I've been reading for a week, respect my authority. Um, but it's really laid on the DM as well, especially in today's gaming, that it's like, you got to know your players. You have invited them to your table or they've invited you to entertain them. There has to be a back and forth. You can, like The DM has a job, the players have a job, and there has to be back and forth. If... The DM enforces milestone, no XP, no slaughter. What if you have a bunch of players that just really enjoy a hack and slash campaign? And if you sat down and cause that friction, then that's on you that you didn't know that you were getting into or that you had set up a wall of, here's my world, I'm peeking over the top and I will dribble what I want down onto you and you better like it or else. And the players are reaching up, looking at you going, dude, what? don't put yourself on a pedestal like we want to have our fun our way there has to be a back and forth and so my recommendation is don't choose milestone or xp sit down and discuss it with your players 
Mm. And see, we're we're like ten minutes in, and you've already hit the main point that comes up in almost every <laughs> every conversation. Communication is very important. Everyone says that, but no one tells you any tricks. I got a trick for you. Okay, and yeah, it might be a passive aggressive way of handling your players. Is make sure you get your points in. Right. If you bring up a topic, you control that topic. If you, it's uh, like the idea of seeding an idea. And I'm not like being tricky and like, haha, I plant this in their heads and they're going to fulfill my agenda. That's what I wanted all along. Haha. That's not what I'm talking about. I like, um, if, if you're comfortable with someone to sit at your table or these days in a virtual space, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And if you're going to spend four hours a week, let's say the minimum game time for fun is two to four hours, at least once a week, if you're lucky every other week, right. With someone. Tell me, besides a coworker that you're paid to, who do you spend four hours of work with? Pick a family member, or your dog or whatever. Nobody gets this time. And then you, this is my time. This is my happy time. This is my fun time. These are my friends. Oh, okay, well, he brought his girlfriend, his boyfriend, the dog, the brother. But I need the fifth player. So, okay, you're there. But as soon as you, you got to be open enough to accept the, the add-ons, you got to be open enough that the person that you don't know at the table that was brought, well, they are helping you fill your game. So they are entitled to their play style. They are entitled, you know, you can't ignore them, even if they're new, you know, and other players have got a real roll back going, we're teaching this person, you know, that kind of thing, right? Um, out of the gate. And it can be very, very cumbersome and annoying for DMM player to stop constantly having conversations as you play or have a night of, okay, come on. We spent two nights character jamming. Now you want to talk about how you are going to build your game with us. A lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of DMs don't get it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, everyone's like, oh, here's the conversation or whatever is see this, this is a phone. Okay. Why are you posting cat photos? Why are you like, hey, dude, did you see Marvel Winter Soldier and Falcon? Well, yeah, I watched it yesterday. But it's like, hey, guys, start a group chat. And yeah, they're going to fill it with pictures of their dinner. But you can get so much done in a group chat before you sit at the table. And you just talk about, this is the stuff that you don't, okay, it's commerce, guys, I'm sorry, we want to talk about XP, we want to talk about that. When you're on the can, when you're in line at Tim Hortons, when you're that, where people pull out their phone and get want to be entertained, get shit done. Click message. You know, the best thing about texting is you have full control. It's a passive aggressive person's dream. I can say this without being interrupted. You see it. I know you saw it. That's my side of conversation. Tag me back. And when they tag you back, you can pretend not to see it or, or accept their answer and back and forth. But everyone has the talking stick in a text format. Everyone get right. Cause people post in line. There's no one talking. There's no one arguing over each other. You can read through the text. You have the group. Some people ignore it. They're too busy. Some people would rather hash things out in person, but you can get so much done on Facebook messenger or whatever. Just going guys. Cause DMS think about this shit all week. I don't care who you are. Come on. You're driving your car. You're, you're coming up with voices. You're in the shower. You're not singing. You're coming up with voices for MPs. DMS are hardwired to think about this shit 24 seven. So as soon as you pick up your phone, DM, or even a player go, Hey DM, I have a question, right? When you get to game time, that precious time where everyone just wants to have fun. They want to deal with the mechanics. You get so much done through the week with some texting back and forth that everyone will, I guarantee you, they'll be in a better mood and a little bit more open with this crap when they're sitting to play. Because yeah, no, I agree. We, you know, we get a lot done in our group chats. We, we have one for the podcast 
We have one for, like, I play in two home games outside the podcast, and each one has their own, and it has the added benefit of we don't have to set up any meetings or any, you know, send invites or anything, because we can just like, go into the Facebook Messenger group chat and just hit video call, right. and everybody gets a notification, and we're good to go. We can see each other, talk, and and run, and you're right, we, you know, that's we do it for handling loot and loot sell-offs, you know? talking about this or that or you know what we want to do after the big cliffhanger they can be very handy as a way to communicate so you don't have to deal with that stuff it can now, it can it can take away from fun and be like oh but we want to be in character to discuss this like you gotta be careful picking your topics try to pick the stuff that seems unfun at the table yeah the logistics stuff right okay how you guys want to bookkeeping yeah how do you want to pass out the loot well i don't have my phone i don't have my character sheet in front of me they're not going to enjoy that but just like their ideas about stuff right or that guy that that pull the the player that pulls you aside going okay so you know my backstory you know have you have you read it oh you mean that novel you gave me of 80 pages you know and the guy next to him you're like so you've decided on a race in a class do you have a name nope bob you know, there are extremes <laughs> that can slowly come together with these chats through the week so that you're not going from someone that's just way over the top on your left and someone that is barely pulling the weight. They're on their phone and they're just there for the chips because their brother brought them. Yeah. Oh, combat. Cool. I'm in. Oh, no, whatever. You know, I'm bored. I kick open the door. I, I know it's a lot of bad examples and stereotypes or whatever, but um, stereotypes exist for a reason. <laughs> just. Sorry, got me wound up with this. It's like, oh, well, you know, um, I was just surprised how many DMs and people in context I talked to that, like yourself, they're like, oh, yeah, we totally chat all the time. And the other ones are like, no, that's half our game. We spent half our game going over stuff, but it's a necessary evil. I'm like, okay, well, if, you're, if you guys are just personable and need to have the FaceTime, good for you. And I'm glad you're getting that worked out in game time. But if it's bothering you, to the point where you're not having to discuss discussions and then it's it's affecting your game negatively because the dm's on a high tower and won't come down to his players level won't put himself in their shoes or herself um or you have a player that you know and dialing into the right player is another little trick um there's always someone at your table that inspires yourself inspires others and it's not necessarily the charismatic guy playing a bard that goes off on big tangents. There is always somebody that is the coolest kid at the table. The guy that brought everybody else. The, the favorite, the, the guy everybody loves. Love this guy. That type of thing, right? Dial into them. Get them on the same page as you. And then as a mom and dad front, and tr- trust me, this works. <laughs> as a mom and dad front, you sell them on it privately all week long on the phone. And then you bring it up in the game. And the, the most popular player goes, yeah, yeah, I love this. We were talking about this. They all fall in line. Trust me, <laughs> I do this, and like I'm not a sh- It's manipulative, you know, but it gets things done. Now it's not like, um, for example, the player that I use for this. Hi, Matt. Um, you know, is more important than another player I barely talk to, barely talk to all week long, like my own son-in-law, Jay Tamlin. Hi, Jay. You know, and he gets last vote. No, I'm just talking about like when you've done this as long as I have and time is so important for everyone's fun. It's like there's people that just you can use to dial in because you want the guy in front of you be entertaining as you. Players want to sit down with other players. That's why you're there. Let's all play together. We all love this game. We all enjoy each other's company playing this game. So 
why not tap into that? I know it seems and sounds underhanded if you're like you're scheming online or whatever, but like when you want to go to a movie back in the day, yeah, three years ago, right? Who's the first person you call? My wife. Right. You get her permission, yeah. right? No, she goes with me. Okay. She we, goes, right? Yeah. Okay. So then you're having a conversation with wife. Oh, I don't want to go see this alone. It's a cool movie. It's an Avenger movie. You know, let's bring, and you start listing people. And she goes, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. No, I don't like them. That's your friend. You know, they're, or these, these couples or what? Well, you're having a back and forth with the most charismatic person in your life, you know, type of thing. And the, the two of you become a united front. Then you start making those calls. Hey, Barbara, Stan, we're going to go catch a movie. You want to make a couple's night? Get a burger? Great. You go. Or the other side. Guys. Let's all go. And my wife's a big nerd. She comes too. You know, she sits on your right and your nerd people that she hates because they're that part of your life are all to your left. But that's strategic seating. That's another story. But I'm just saying like, I know I sound like a real manipulative asshole. No, uh, DMs are control freaks and you just have to admit it. Um, what I'm saying is there there is a friendly, honest, diplomatic way about approaching stuff instead of that sort of my world do as I say, you know. One guy, yeah, did, no, I, yeah. Does does that make more sense? Does that sound like not such an ass hat? <laughs> I I never thought you sounded like an ass hat. You've said that several times to me. It just sounds like you've learned, like you said, how to like what players you have at your table, because that I mean that's the thing. Like I said, I've got two different groups, and one of them is the we love to you know, we like fighting. You know, we're running, I'm running Kingmaker for them, and they're just not that interested in the diplomacy stuff. It's just not their play style. The other group, they're very, very much into, hey, we love role play. We, we like to do, like, they like combat too, but they're more interested in, like, where is the story going? Where are the story beats at? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you DM for them in different ways because they want different things, you know, and you approach the, the approach them as people separately or different ways. Yeah, and players will always surprise you. Like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jason and I are, again, we're kind of like falling into like stereotypes. It's working or it's not. Here's a great example. Um, Some of my lead cast members are, they like combat, but they really do like role playing. So a couple of years ago, we started War for the Crown, but we wanted an angle. What's our angle? Oh, Thank you, Troy Lavalley. And uh, you're all Cavaliers. All Cavalier part. Yes, even you've heard of that one, right? So we have a cap- well, Like I said, I listened to several podcasts. GMC is definitely on there. Uh, cool. Um, so the GCP comes up with Cannon Fodder. They're discussing something, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I love that. You know, and I'm a big fan of their shows. So I talked these guys into being all Cavaliers. Oh, but our skills are all going to be the same. I'm like, yeah, but think of it, pick different races um, and try to like, we'll, we'll hash out that everyone has a point here, here, here or whatever. Right. But they, they go class skills, noble, noble diplomacy. Don't worry. They have a brand new system. They're cracking into this intrigue book and diplomacy is way, diplomacy is way more complicated than roll. I'm a diplomancer 30. Why? Yes. King, that crown would look much better on my head. And we rock star out of their jazz hands. Cause players will expect that shit. You're like, Oh, I got a 30. So he just does what I say. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, diplomacy is mind control. Yeah. No, not exactly. Okay. Like a shop owner, you know, is not automatically come down in price. He's got overhead. Now he might give you a deal like, Oh, well, actually if he really likes you, he'll, add more stuff and give you a bulk discount you win he wins he's still happy and feeds his wife the end of the day not well i'll drop my price to cost right oh but i really like well okay what what is your other angle what's your role play you know that type of thing so we go into this campaign expecting big things 
And it, the first encounter was a little spy, a little shop. It was interesting. Then they go to a party. We'll get you to this party. And you got to wheel and deal all these important nobles. And another one. And another one. And another one. And another one. And we spent 20 episodes of them going from one person to the other, feeling them out. And then they had these mini missions. Go spike the wine so that it, this putrid wine d- donated by that family causes them disgrace and it'll help our faction. Okay. And this is the, so I tried to mix it up. I did try to like split them into little groups and send them to where the strengths were, jump the scenes around, you know. But again, like even these role playing guys that love it were just like, we're just, you're just, it's just another noble and another, you know, where's this going to get, right? Don't worry. It's awesome. It's going to get great. Boom. Escape room. And we spent 10 episodes for them banging their heads on a wall trying to figure out puzzles to get away. And then a dungeon. And it was a dungeon crawl. Looking at this story front to back, it's brilliant. But each step of a way, not to mention you're trying to podcast where you're trying to put on your best face and there's like a lot of in and out for the audience sake as opposed to playing your game your way because you want to be mm-hmm. friendly or whatever. Uh, it got painful. It did. Now, you don't see that pain in the show because we cut that stuff out. And I'm talking about arguments or whatever. It's just... It grinded these guys down so low that they lost interest in the game. So um, what I did was... That's tedious. Right. So a good trick with that is we picked a player or a backstory or several. And it's a DM nightmare to work four backstories into a main story. It can be. We picked one story, the samurai. And we started slowly building him and propping him, propping him and propping him and propping him to I got to a point where not the players, but the bad guys actually found a way to quantum leap back in time, change the timeline. And while two of the players were exposed to a certain, let's say, a bubble effect and then reentered their own timeline where everything had changed and they're like two characters are deal. Everyone else, even the other players are like, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. Right. They had to deal with an alternate timeline like Morty getting driving back to 87 and then he comes back and you know it's literally an alter timeline I mean you've seen Avengers right Hulk, yeah. Hulk takes the gem and and uh, our nice uh, bald sensei lady monk is just like look let me sh- you know here's the timeline ooh nice effect right but you do this this and this it creates a separate timeline and if you go forward you're never going to breach it like it's never going to be the same right so we ended the first season with the reveal of an alternate timeline now we're going to play the idea is to play the adventure book two same way or whatever but with this overlapping timeline where it's just a different guy in power a different guy in the throne a different you know what i mean we're gonna we're gonna do the encounters where they're gonna go to the same mansion they're gonna talk to the same people but we've swapped out a couple of key things to add our subplot if that, gotcha. if that makes sense. I mean, we ran yeah. the first dungeon of Mummy's Mask like Stargate. I literally had an android ah. android fall out of space, come out of the river, and all the, all the Wati ancient Osirian uh, prophets of, of Wajet, the river goddess, right? Thought he was the chosen one. Dude's in perfect banded male. He's an android. The guy doesn't breathe. Walks in the water. He's the chosen one. They follow him around and shit, right? All this stuff. Anyway... I had inserted a, a a really campy subplot along the main story, and not only did it keep the players entertained, they felt they were playing their very own version, right? I, yeah. I didn't take it off. I didn't change the story. I just added a second line of subplot, riding the rails. That's the best part. I totally rid the rails. 
the, it's the DM uh, dream. Stay on the rails. Player gets this is what I read. Oh, you go this way. Crap. Uh, okay, well, there's an idea. One to try. It could it, you know, you could go that way. You go that. Sure, that's that's great. That's great DMing. You're so improv. It's no, it's a nightmare. Come on. <laughs> they go off the rails it becomes a nightmare because you worked all week you read three chapters you know blah 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 this is the reality you're not prepared you know that kind of thing yeah, they, no. they go off the rails yeah no we've the- all we've all hit that at some point once you dm for long enough you you hit that point or they 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 find a solution to a problem you thought was going to take them two hours and now all of a sudden they're they're past that thing and you're just yeah. like well i had barely skimmed this part of this next part of the adventure and i had not planned to run it for two weeks you you could also bog down in something that's very simple and they have a ball and you as a dm just have so much fun where they just hit something you guys find is amusing and you ride it out for the rest of the session and those tangents are great like i said i don't want people screaming going why aren't you on the rails you're not a good dm no 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 there are times where like something totally random becomes the best thing that happened all night and you bitch yeah you know that's that sort of you know easygoing personality too really lends itself to milestone leveling mm. which <laughs> is our topic i'm sorry <laughs> did i get off topic i'm sorry <laughs> uh we always do we always do because again they don't have to focus on like oh well if we're not gonna you know go into uh well speaking of mummy's mask if we're not going to go into the cursed dance hall and clear that out we're not going to get the experience for it it's like well no you if you if you clear the dead city, you know, and you find what's going on with the mask and all of that stuff, then you're able to, you know, hit your progression points following the story. And if you end up veering off and not getting stuff done as quickly as possible, that's fine too. Because you don't, like, as long as you're hitting significant character growth, that's kind of one of the big things. It's a very good example of Skyrim. All the RPGs of old was like, they were linear in the fact that you had to talk to the guy. Okay, go do his laundry. Okay, come back. Okay, go get the thing. Go talk to the shop. You're all over the place, and then you finally get the real quest. You go there, go to the dungeon, and it opens. But you know what's going on. You know what you're after. You know who the big bad is, all this stuff. You've built up to this point. You put all this work in, and you go in. I was amazed that I could just pick a point on the compass and fall down a hole into a dungeon that was ready to go that I knew nothing about and explore it scared out of my mind it was like this great fear factor going I actually don't know what's going on this is awesome yeah. and you get to the big whatever right i had such a great time doing that going ha, i missed all the laundry that i had to do and all that crap and then you get to the end and there's obvious story points that you've missed with the dialogue with the item what the hell does this do what is what the, oh and you get to it's like crap i really actually would have enjoyed this more if i had picked up the story notes been tasked to this dungeon knew what was coming got into that reward system milestoned here 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 and then ah i have the this of this from the whatever and now i can do this and craft this and build this as opposed to throwing myself down a 20th level hole at first level and running around for my life going stealth 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 you know that kind of thing it was fun for dicking around but uh i'm trying to use this example to reinforce the point of like a really bad example of a level grind versus like skipping to the end as opposed to enjoying the milestone system which really enforces the story yeah yeah you know and one of the the better examples i ever saw was you know like i mentioned the you know attacking the castle they had a great plan they they found a way they could they knew which room 
the BBEG of that castle was living in, sleeping in. They figured out a great plan to get to them. But then they realized, hey, if we fight everything between here and there, we'll level up. So their great plan to just go in, gank that one dude, and you know save the world became, let's slog through the dungeon, and they party wiped. So it's like, eh, you guys has really kind of made your meta game decision there, and it didn't work out. And I really wish they had been doing milestone leveling at that time. I wish I'd known about it back then, because it just would have saved a lot of saved a lot of that story. I have to admit, uh, writers these days for adventures have upped their games. One of my favorite Pathfinder adventures is called the Fell Knight Queen. And the way it's realm of the fell night queen. Yeah, yeah, the way it's put together is very interesting. We're at a wedding. There's all these little campy things to do. It's almost like the guys that run Rise of Rune Lords, and they say make up games and tournaments for the people. Right, you're there, and you're doing horseshoes with the orc. You're doing all this stuff, right? But whatever has their chance to schmooze, right? Something comes out of the forest. Let's get it. Draws them in, and as they go further for the forest, they're actually reacting to scouts that are the forefront of the vanguard, that are the forefront of an army, that are holy crap. Next thing the players know, they are surrounded by completely inhuman factions. This is a very sylvan adventure where the elves are actually like wood elves that do not like humanity. And you have Sylph and the satyr, and the, and there's, oh, look, there's Queen Titania. And they're having a debate whether to let the big bad actually overrun humanity and side with her or form up and mm. stop her. And... Along the way, you run into these mini Sylvan situations of save the tree and save the dryad or just let them die. But for every person you save, they help you with your argument because they feel they owe you. And this is a great idea of like, without XP, you're doing progression of mini milestones that uh, like, because there's um, the XP minded person is like, clear everything, do everything, loot everything, right? Well, it used that not against the XP person, but they added to it going, okay, well, let's assume that a party will sniff around and beat up everything or whatever, right? But here's an actual look and here's your reward is this guy trusts you. They don't realize that until they get to a point and the DM rolls out going, and now the treant comes and speaks for the party, whatever side he took. Now the dryad you say from burning speaks for the party, whatever side they took, right? And the players suddenly go, dang, wow, those were milestones. That wasn't just XP for killing that was that we fought off the bad that was trying to kill this sylvan person. You know, they're actual markers that the more you collected, the more milestones you collected, the more Yahtzee you have at this crucial point yet another milestone so well the players are supposed to be from a town and humanity whatever and do not want the fell knight queen to gain a whole bunch of last minute allies right yeah you know and go okay well we're getting run over you know let's be italy and join germany because we're screwed if we don't or you know oh the americans got here earlier okay switch sides well maybe if the americans got there really early with the british they would have like started fighting back earlier Okay, bad example, but that's a real feel where like the players get the bad guy coming towards the story instead of being the story. You have the players racing and picking through the edges and it gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker to the story, right? Then they get to this milestone and 
whatever the players do, they literally send an army off to deal with the bad army. And that's not what the players are doing. The players get to go all black ops, sneak into your castle that you just mentioned, where the guards are very thin because they're busy being an army. The Fel Knight Queen is, you know, has some defenses, but they're completely lowered compared to if her little pocket dimension was full of her own army that she just sent to invade. And I thought it was brilliantly written and executed. And there's so many little moments in there where the XP reward and the milestone are so obvious, you get to use both. And I don't think I've, like, usually the DM has to choose. Are you going to milestone or are you going to XP? This one, if you run the XP, the milestones don't go away, I guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It's beautifully written. Um, my favorite part of the dungeon, and forgive me for for being weird about this, but um, there's a back door that if you're smart or talk to the right people, you find, you go in this creek. Anyway, so instead of going to the front door, scaling the wall, or finding a, a secret way around way over here in this waterfall classic right go through the waterfall comes up through the bottom of the dungeon so you come into the to the fell knight queen's prison right and there's prisoners in there so usually they have an interesting prisoner what they have in this is they had an interesting torturer they had the satyr guy that had the prison room and then he had his 50 shades of gray room but for a not nice purpose as opposed to like private fun going on um and uh bear with me right um they had a room that was scented candles and nice pillows and all this stuff and i'm like what is this how are players going to process dungeon to torture chamber to fluffy cuddly room so it says in the adventure the fell night queen has promised her torturer the satyr a nymph if he does a really good job and meets the quota, as in the quota was sneak out into humanity, get get proper prisoners that know things, milk them for information, and she's got really good intel for her invasion. And he'd been doing this for months, right? So his job is practically done, and he's waiting for his surprise, and he's decided to decorate a nice room to make his prisoner slave, right? That type of thing. I had a player switch characters. He went from this big earth mage tiefling the guy looked like from legends like hellboy to this strix barbarian because he liked barbarians and that guy just went off to help in the war i had him captured hogtied and when they got to the torture chamber they're all looking around i had a player that's a rogue does the classic rogue thing well i'm gonna scout ahead i'm gonna sneak off no that's basically them going i gotta go like you know get the grab on the next treasure she finds a hallway with her doors she finds that room and peeks inside well instantly i came up with an idea where you have the satyr sitting on the edge of the bed taking his hooves off like their boots unscrewing his horns they're like his hat and he's talking to somebody on the bed and he's like oh you know the fellow queen's been working me so hard all this type of thing but you know and then he turns so that you can reveal who's on the bed coming home to you darling at the end of the day makes it all worthwhile and instead of the gross unpolitically correctness of having like a nymph slave rewarded very misogynistic for this asshole i had my buddies hellboy tied bound gagged on the bed <laughs> sees the door sees the girl thief and is like <laughs> you know at the moment the guy's head turns but coming home to you makes it all worthwhile and he's like help me help me she quietly closes the door goes back and tells the party nothing we were halfway through the game and we just stopped 
playing because nothing got better than that. Forget my messed up homage to Fifty Shades of Grey and how I was really over top. The fact that the player did that was beyond people falling out of their chairs, laughing their asses off. I wish I'd recorded it. It was before I started podcasting. And that's my story about milestones and how useful they are to be twisted by the team. <laughs> well, part of it does kind of lead us into one of the, the subtopics here of like other, other methods and rewards. Um, because we talk about experience versus milestone leveling. Those are the two main things everyone talks about, especially when you're traditional RPGs. But you mentioned in the realm of the Fell Knight Queen how even though they're getting, they can get experience from these encounters, they also offer an additional reward, i.e. these people sticking up for them. Like if you ever played the Shores of Heaven Pathfinder Society adventure, it has a similar thing. Where depending on like what you do along the path, the people that you're working with or for, you know, will then have you know either a for or against you at the end of it um, but it also kind of leads into like there are a bunch of different ways to do this not all of them are going to be compatible with something like pathfinder but uh some of them are like a uh, partial leveling you know where you you level up as you go you know so it's like instead of getting your hit points your skill points your bab your saves your spells like you basically choose one thing on your list and you get that at a fourth of the way i know you're talking about i I have hero lab and it's progressive leveling and i think it's awesome Ah. yeah it literally like gives you like a little bit like three quarters of your bab but then you crack halfway through your level and your base attack goes up early or the saving throw goes up a little early yeah i think that's brilliant it's a lot of paperwork but uh well, if you've got something like Hero Lab, it, it's great. But yeah, doing it with a physical character sheet that that would be would be a pain. Uh, person, uh, one of the ones I've heard about that I've really liked is the Powered by the Apocalypse system, where you gain experience when you fail a check. Yeah, you get something yeah. for trying. Yeah, we, we you don't you don't. There's there's no other way to gain experience. You don't gain experience for there's no. Um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? There's no like, oh, you completed the adventure, time to level up. It's just, you know, hey, you failed, mark an experience point. You can get so many experience points, and uh, you know, it then you level up. And it it also discourages, however, people just being like, well, I'm going to just try everything and fail all the time because if you fail at that point, you know, the the storyteller does bad things to you. That's how this. That's how the game system works. Yeah, there's so like what is there's a co- there's a cause and effect. Uh, I had the privilege of interviewing Rev from the Crit Show, and they play Apocalypse Games, um, Murder of the Night, Monster of the Night, that one of those. Uh, and he explained the system to me a couple of years ago, and yeah, I think it's brilliant because it's sort of a yes and mentality, right? You learn by trying. It didn't work out in the story, but you're you're literally gaining experience the hard way as it were, yeah. you know, and it rewards that, you know, um, there's a, a great line. I'm pretty sure it's one of the justice league movies where someone's bitching at Batman for like going too deep, too far, taking too long to do something. And, uh, it's actually like a bad guy that sticks up for him and says the man that accomplishes what he needs to do the very first time he attempts it learns absolutely nothing does that make sense yeah no it does because you know you you succeeded yeah. so 
you know, like I, as a real world example, I've worked enough jobs where I've had a system that I've had to use some um, proprietary internal system and the some of the they never give you tutorials they just are like hey use this now and it's like well how and one of the ways to do it is just to sit there and like click through and be like oh you want this done well it's probably going to take me an hour and i'm going to screw it up several times but uh and then you you learn like this is how the system works and you know that's that sort of concept applied to the real world where if you don't do it right as long as you learn what you did wrong then you can do it better next time. Exactly. Exactly. Could not agree more, sir. Um, now, uh, there is getting into a rut. If you have a style you're yes. comfortable with and everyone's cool with it, then it's likely you're not going to break out. Uh, I have a reputation as a DM for being more like a game show host. I'm heavy on the microphone because I'm paranoid of dead air, especially when you start podcasting, you feel that there's someone, you know, it's like... Um, you're, imagine you're gaming around your table with friends and then someone like your boss or somebody that you would like to make an impression on comes in, raids your fridge and just kind of stands there eating, watching you play. And it's like, they're important enough to you, even if you don't know who they are, that you're like, well, uh, right. It's and, and so you talk to the bad guy and like, you know, for me, that's what it's like to be a podcaster or a content creator is like, there's a bunch of people that are watching my shit that I don't know. And I'm anonymous so I can be campy and weird and stuff and I'm comfortable. But there is also that sort of, well, I better, you know, not be the relaxed, whatever Jeff that I am, you know, home alone kind of thing. It's um, a lot of content creators have, they're themselves. They use their own name. They are themselves, but they're like themselves to the nth degree. Yeah. It's like yourself on steroids or like, this is me on drugs or, you know, you've, you know, I'm far more hyped up in front of a camera or on a mic, as you've just seen than I am in real life. My friends and cast members go, no, no, Jeff, that's you. That's no, but honestly, no, like, you know, I, I don't walk into a Starbucks or Tim Hortons and go, Hey, <laughs> you know what I love about my steep tea? No, you, <laughs> like, like, you just like, um, you know, well, you know, you're a, you look like a guy who knows herself around a D20. Here's my card, rollmongers.com. Yeah, I've done that, <laughs> but <laughs> you're so excited to be here. Uh, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, there's, uh, yeah. Uh, next question, please. I'll just get off of this. No, okay. Well, uh, I think we've pretty much exhausted our course of uh, experience versus milestone leveling on this one. So it's, uh, uh it didn't really help the fact that we're both very, very much the proponents of milestone leveling and uh, experience leveling is so commonplace. Everybody kind of already knows how it works because of the prevalence of video games and everything else. It's, you know, it's tried and true, like you said, and it's it's a perfectly effective and good way to do it. But as I've gotten more experience with it, I've just become a bigger fan of milestone mm -hmm. because it helps it helps me. Uh, one of the big things for me, I don't think I've said is as a DM is it like, I know at this point in the adventure, the players are this level. So I can, you know, have this, have them encounter this thing, this trap, this, you know, um, uh, this creature, this problem, because I yeah. know that they are going to be able to handle it mechanically. Mm -hmm. So, 
From, from, Any closing thoughts from you, Jeff? Uh, first of all, uh, it was great talking with you and meet someone that's passionate about you know what I'm on about. But from us doing an interview, it's almost too bad that we agreed so much and so heavily to one side because there's nothing wrong with the XP side. And to prove, not. To prove that, uh, I encourage that you email us, either email myself, rollmongers at gmail.com, or leave comments below if you're watching this on YouTube or you have a chance on Instagram or like wherever we're dropping these feeds. Don't be afraid to put in your two cents as the listener going, well, you know, you guys didn't cover this in XP or milestones. Uh, and to prove a point, I have somebody on hand. I'd like to introduce you really quickly to one of my guys. Rob Hammond is like sitting in the wings and I'm hoping he's still listening <laughs> and there where, cause he's great for like, whether he agrees with one side or the other, he could give you the devil's ad- advocate. Oh, no, that's fair. So, uh, Rob. Hey Jeff. So you needed somebody on the side of doling out XP as opposed to milestone level leveling. Yes, please. Wise um, DM. um back in the dawn of time uh we always did by the book D&D experience you know you 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 got your treasure chart you got this much by treasure and back in the day you divided the value of treasure by whatever and gave it to everybody so on and so forth everybody got a fair share that was the original rules back when I was young (laughs) and I found that at that time we had people who just wouldn't role play in the game they were just there to poke their sword in it and steal the treasure that's what they were the original murder hobos you know what i mean um and when the i think it was september the second or third book came out they came up with the idea and i just hated it but if they're the only advantage to it is the fast game easier on the gm you know exactly where they're going to level up nobody's doing the other way but see i'm the kind of guy that if that guy has an an epiphany or an experience or a great role-playing action in the game i'll take the 10 minutes to level him up there on the spot do you know what i mean okay no must no fuss i don't leave him on his own because if people earn that it's like anything else if people earn that like dedicated players when they do something if they see that credit they buy into the game it's their world too now they realize they're scoring points in your world do you know what I mean? It's, it's like yeah, yeah. So like, so, so if you don't have a big role player, you have somebody that maybe actually have a tactical way to direct the exactly. party to bring. Like they may have a good tactic they bring up that that, That's that right. plays. They're into not a great your player, murder, but, but they they spring the idea that launches the rest of the players into going. Right. And I had no problem keeping track of everybody long before we had a computer. Everybody had their little character sheet. And what we and the other thing that we did is at either the end of the session if we had the time or the beginning of the next session, I would say, hey guys, if you think I missed something. Or you feel uh, like you feel somebody else has owed something. This is your turn, and the players would say, "No, no, no." You know, they were really good players. They would say, "No, that was his idea." Do you know what I mean? They were honest. They said, "No, he was his idea. He should get the bulk of that." Like we just piggybacked off of him, and it found I found that the players started using each other's strengths as players, not not character necessarily, because characters are covered by your your sheets. But they started to get more involved with each other. Because my original group back then, only two of us were close friends. Everybody else we picked up by the wayside. And after, I guess they hadn't played a lot, but after about six months, you wouldn't find a group of guys who had each other's backs everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't matter whether they were walking down the street or playing in the game. These guys got really tight. And I go back to the same thing. You get to see what everybody's real strengths and weaknesses are when you do it by XP. Because you know what, Jeff? Because I know that we, um, like, in, in, in Pure Steam, we are using the 
the milestone. And I didn't say anything to Phil about how I feel about it because it's his game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I came to his table and I'm not going to rock the boat. They like it, then I like it because I want that group to be cohesive. If he asked me, I tell him the same thing. I feel that people get shortchanged and they get angry if they're not heard and they leave your game or they become passive-aggressive players. That healing potion's a little bit late. That dice roll gets missed. Oh, I wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. And they literally take it to the players. Whereas if they're invested in the game, which I feel XP leveling will always be, in a sense of pure role-playing gamers, I think that it builds stronger players if they do that. I think XP uh, leveling, uh, milestone leveling, shouldn't be allowed until they're at least 10th level. I'm willing to give that much. Let them make their characters, and when they're a tight group, then give the group a milestone. Do you know what I mean? It's a group milestone. It shouldn't be individual milestones at in the beginning because it's all different. It encourages people to invest in their characters and keep them alive. It encourages characters to care about the other players around them. And to me, that's very important. You know how passionate I am about gaming. Yeah, yeah, no, like you're. I, I get that, like, that's our, why I said this is why I called you in on this is because like, well, our personal preference is milestone, and we sort of shaded the XP guys. Like, well, all he's doing is clearing a room. Greed, 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 greed. But we ignored the topic of like, but how do they treat each other? That's right. You know, how, that's how, what role playing has always been for me. Like you asked when I became a gamer, I became a gamer when I met Tim. You're out there somewhere. Hopefully, you'll see this. And Chris, who I haven't seen in forty years. Those two guys, when we we had nothing in common, when we first met, and Tim and I started talking about Dungeons and Dragons because the Red Box edition had just come out, the basic edition. There you go. That's how old I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, same thing happened with you and me. I hadn't talked to you in yeah. years, and then the, he calls me up, going, "If anyone's got a game going, it's Jeff." I'm like, "Well, actually, I'm like podcasting them now," and you're like, "I'm totally down for this." I'm like, "Well, you know what? You're a GM, man. I'm going to give you a show." Yeah. You know? And I, I wish, I wish that I had taken you up in your offer in the beginning. I didn't realize what it was going to be. I was so caught up in my own things. But back to what I was saying, I form friendships with my other gamers that to this day I still have. I had a conversation not two weeks ago with a guy that over a game that ended 25 years ago because he wanted to re-up the character for, as an NPC in his game. We had to discuss what would have happened to that character. And I said, well, he sold his soul. At the end of the day, he, he belongs to Diabolus. He, he's not your character anymore. <laughs> he's mine. And he goes, well, I can't do that. Now, we know it's a game. Okay, we do know it's a game. But we had to hash out a way that to get around that because he heavily relies on all the games we played 20 years ago to flavor his world. He's using those outlines because that's because the games were so new then, you had a lot of freedom to mold the world. You know what I mean? Like, now we've got 37 books for everything. But back then, you had the source book. If you were lucky, maybe you saw a movie turned, you took a trope from. But in all reality, you had to forge a lot of that game on your own. And that's, again, why I go back to leveling by the player's experience, simply because they will invest more in it. Because you can, like, if you have an off week, one guy will just sit by the wayside, call me when the fight starts. I heard you mention that earlier. Yeah, call me when the fight starts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to price shoes right now. Yeah. Have a nice day. Um, <laughs> well, I don't like that. Yeah, this- if you jump on a phone at my table, you might as well leave. Like I, you have your phone, you got families. But if you're going to jump on the phone, you just took all the people around you and disrespected them. And that's that's my two cents worth. Yeah. By having to work for it, you build your character better, you build stronger friendships, and you grow you grow more attached to that world. Like seriously, this guy, 25 years later, he's still using my original world designing characters. 
No, that's they are so, that's amazing because become, like it, it, it gets back to the other argument of like knowing your players is you knew you could invest these guys with the XP system. You had that communication, and you're all having a ball. Yeah. And like we never wanted to say the XP system doesn't work. We were just pushing the milestone. No, and this is why I understand. I, this is why I brought you in because I knew even if you didn't agree, I'm happy you do. But even if you didn't agree with like, oh, I'm not on the XP side. I'm with you guys in milestone. I know that you had the gaming clout to like present. You know, well, a few and, base arguments, but dude, like the passion, I'm impressed. Sorry. No, it's good. But the thing, because the thing is, you have to realize he is playing with, I, I call them my group because they were my group for years. But because they all remembered those games so well, because they interacted so well, they got together and st- he had started a game for his kids first. And then when he started getting back into the world and asking me questions about history and how I got where I got, um, he didn't want to, you know, crap on the memory of the game. His guys found out. And they rejoined. So this is a group of guys who quit gaming together probably 15 years ago, who got back together because they just rehashed what they had, what they had enjoyed when they were young. Do you know what I mean? This was before COVID. You know what I mean? This was oh, yeah, happened no, before it's, when this all started. It's the game. And, it's a game that keeps on giving. But that's my two cents worth. I've always treated role playing as a, an experience everybody should enjoy. Sometimes a little too much. I get a little too invested in my stories. But you know what? It's only because I want people to have those same experiences. I had. And if you can show somebody how to do that, you're 10 steps ahead. And that's uh, my two cents worth. Pleasure. Well, thanks, Rob, for, for jumping in there. I, I will offer our listeners, if you if you think you want some sort of middle ground, keep in mind there are other alternate reward systems. Oh, yes, there, there definitely are. Um, I can hero points and things like that, you know, where... So you can mix and match the two different concepts, too. You know, there, there's a lot of different yeah. ways to... Oh, definitely, but that's what I said. Fit your table. So. That's as I said. As soon as they got to the point where, as a group, they were earning experience, milestone. So, um, and like Jeff said, that is our hour. So, thank you all for listening. Please check out uh, the the Dice Wise Entertainment and the uh, their their website has a has the links to all of their their little website. Uh, all their little websites got all their little podcasts and their feeds, and you can check out all the different stuff there. You can find them on Twitter, and I'm sure Jeff. Where else can people find you? Uh, our own website at www.rollmongers.com has links to everything, but uh, one of the reasons why I'm you know so much in debt was we're spending a lot of money to be everywhere. We spend 140 Canadian a year to be on SoundCloud. I spend over 750 a year to be on Spreaker because most people just go for Spotify, iTunes, we're done. Anchor can get you Spotify for free. Uh, for exposure, I like the idea that three of our listeners and one of our patrons like Stitcher. They like that app, and the only way I can get it to Stitcher is to go through Spreaker, so I pay the money. Mm. There's, and the, there's Deezer. There's like, so we are literally everywhere. If you type in Rollmongers or Dicewise Entertainment, trust me, the first 10 things that come up, audio, video, are us and all of our shows. Now, this does work against us because a lot of people, the Shield Bash, what are you? You are Serpent Skull. Done. Two clicks. People don't like that third click. And one of our disadvantages as a network is Rollmongers. What is it? Podcasting network. Uh, okay. And, you know, that investment to like, okay, well, let's look at all the shows. Is there one I like it, right? So uh, as a, th- there is a bit of a disadvantage for trying to do what we do, but we love doing it. So, you know, we pay the money <laughs> to, bring, to bring you the free entertainment. Um, 
on my side, I, I'd like to thank Jason Letter for, for reaching out to us, to having me on the show, and the fact that I could surprise you guys with my one of my passionate players and co-GMs, Rob Hammond. Um, and for our side, the Attack of Opportunity podcast, um, there's a couple of quick questions, really fast, don't have to answer them. Uh, I find geeks and gamers come from every walk of life. Um, what do you do for a living, Jason? What pays the bills so that you can go uh, buy gaming books? <laughs> I am a building service worker part of the sei union i.e i am a highly paid janitor there you go hey like there, there's no shame it's like I've, I've talked to doctors and i've talked to ditch diggers and they all just yeah. come together for one reason can't get enough of a 20-sided dice and for me i just i just find that interesting oh yeah no, one of the guys in my one of my gaming groups he is a hand surgeon at one of the top hospitals in the country and here i am I'm the janitor. You know, it's like we we are that dichotomy in that one group. Awesome. So, see you next time. My show, your show. Yeah, no show? other questions. <laughs> so, uh, I've got more, but you know, you actually answered a lot of them. Like you're, I usually ask people, you know, how'd you know you're a geeky nerd? You you rolled through a lot of them, especially with our Dragonlance oh. tangent. You actually rolled, you answered like so <laughs> many of my regular questions. We are at the hour mark, so I'm going to do the audience a favor. First, I'd like to apologize for my heavy-handed tangents. Uh, the, my views do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rollmongers or the Global Television Network. If you're an Angels child you know that it was the first the first network to ever say hey you know stuff you see on our show does not necessarily carry the view of the network uh you got to have an open mind my cast yep. my role my, my role mongers and stuff all have different views my guests different views and you the listener might like what we said you might hate what we said but thank you for listening anyway and listening to our rant because it's just an idea it's just a view it's a personal preference of like my journey took me through these steps i walk in those shoes we are not trying to step on anyone's rainbow happy day you know what yep. I'm saying? Like we just yes, the reason why every core rule book in history starts with the the example of hey, these are just suggestions. Form them to fit your group. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next time on Shield Bash and Attack of Opportunity. Shield Bash is made in association with Knights of the Octagon and Farmageddon Gaming Convention. Find us online at shieldbash.net, on Facebook at Shield Bash, on Twitter at Bash Shield, and on YouTube at Shield Bash. Music by Lee Rosevere. Serpent Skull and Pathfinder are the property of Paizo Publishing Incorporated. Leave a comment on iTunes for a chance to hear us read it out on the podcast. 
Questions and comments can be sent to shield-podcast at gmail.com.